I don't know if I told you in my announcements, we are giving, did I talk about our Christmas offering we're giving away? We're giving away our Christmas offering uh, to churches that were impacted by the hurricane. And so some of you might be doing year-end giving, and if you're doing that, you might want to write on your check for, for the church or for the 2018 budget or for the 2019 budget. You might want to do that. Uh, but if you just give regularly like I did today, it's going to go to help churches impacted by the hurricanes. You might have gotten an email this week about what is happening across the street. They're getting rid of asbestos that we played in in kindergarten <laughs> with the church in. Just got a little twitch. That's right. <laughs> and so it's exciting, the opportunities across the street. And before Charlie prays, you want to say anything about that? Yeah, yeah I do. Thanks. We have some sponsorship opportunities for... Uh, Across the street, we're getting the asbestos torn out, and we got it all cleaned out, and uh, it's being painted. But what we need is we need flooring. We need flooring for the downstairs. We're going to have the downstairs where it's got a nice fellowship hall. Um, we need somebody to take over the kitchen and say, this is what we're going to do with the kitchen. It's torn out. And, you know, I think we need to make a warming kitchen out of it. But there's a great opportunity across the street over here. We finished the sanctuary. It doesn't leak. Um, Chris ran 280 kids through there this past summer. So, I mean, it's being used, and it's being used for a good purpose. So, uh, y'all prayfully think about that, and uh, this next year is going to be great. So let's pray and bless our offerings. Dear Lord, thank you for Christmas. It's always the best time of year. We thank you for your grace and uh, all the good things you've done for us. Please let us prayfully think about how much we donate to the church, how we can use it. And take these tithes and offerings and bless them and glorify your kingdom. Your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>
Declan uh, sing for us this morning. He's been with us on many occasions, actually, but he's been away at school, so he hasn't been familiar to us in the last fall. So, but he's a freshman at Shenandoah University, and he's also a major in musical theater. And of course, he was one of the original Mormon kids when they first started. So we're happy to have him sing with us. Orbit and come sing for us again. 
and we won't have to pay $180 a head to listen to it. <laughs> or will we do? And so, thank you. When I look at the Christmas story, I'm amazed how everything lines up. The prophecy of the Old Testament is just spot on. Some scholars have said that there are over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. I'm a bit of a math nerd, and when I found this, it got to me. Peter Stoner, chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College, was passionate about biblical prophecies, and with 600 student volunteers from InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, he looked at eight specific prophecies about Jesus. And they came up with some very conservative probabilities for each one being fulfilled. And then considered the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling all eight of the, of the prophecies that they plugged in. The conclusion of the research was pretty staggering. The prospect that anyone would satisfy the eight that they chose was just 1 in 10 to the 17th. Now, if you're a math nerd, or if you want to take your phone and do 10 to the 17th, you'll get a lot of zeros after the 1. If I said it out loud, I think it means 1 in 100 quadrillion. 1 in 100 quadrillion. Let me quote from the study what that means. They said, let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of ten tickets and place all the tickets in a hat and thoroughly stir them and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, his chance of getting the right ticket is one in ten. We're all with that so far, one in ten. He says, suppose that we take ten to the seventeen silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. That's the hundred quadrillion. They will cover the state of Texas two feet deep. Now, mark one of those silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up, must pick up one silver dollar and say that this is the right one. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance that the prophets would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. But they didn't. God told them what to write. God lined everything up from Genesis through Revelation, from the beginning of creation to this very moment. Every Christmas, I'm amazed at the prophecy that surrounds the birth of Christ. And I'm using different ones from the study that they used in Pasadena. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Micah 5.2 was written 700 B.C. 700 years before the birth of Christ. 
And God is lining things up. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Also written 700 years before the birth of Christ. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Well how many prophecies is that there? The virgin will conceive. It'll be a son. They'll name him Emmanuel. There's three. 700 years. My daughter and your daughter-in-law is expecting a baby sometimes in May, perhaps. Do you know the name or the sex of the baby? You want to bet? You, you want to maybe put some money down on the lawyer? We have no idea. We don't have a clue. 700 years. Jeremiah wrote these words 620 years before Christ. Chapter 23. The time is coming, says the Lord, when I'll raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He'll be a king who rules with wisdom. He'll do what is just and right throughout the land. This will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. And that day Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. If 700 years or 600 years isn't far enough away, a thousand years before the birth of Christ, in Psalm 72 we find these words. Desert nomads will bow before him. His enemies will fall before him in the dust. The western king of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring gifts to him. Oh, they're found all over. Jeremiah, Hosea, they're all over. This is a long introduction to where I want to get today. I want to get to one of those sections of scriptures that you normally skip. And be honest, when I read it, it's one you normally gloss over. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, the genealogy. Anybody ever skipped this besides me? Okay, one hand comes. Thank you very much. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. As I read these, think about God lining every birth up, every name up. Ram begot Amenadab. Amenadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Now you can start to recognize a few more names. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David the king. David then begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Bathsheba. You remember the story. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, Ammon begot Josiah, 
Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abuid, Abuid begot Eliakim, Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, Achim begot Eluid. Eluid begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Nathan, Nathan begot Jacob. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Verse 17 is an interesting mathematical deal to me. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until Christ, there are 14 generations. And those begats that we normally often ignore, we see God lining things up. In those generations, there's about 2,000 years in the family tree from Abraham to Jesus. And if you're thinking 2,000 years, that's about the same time it has been from the birth of Jesus to where you sit today. Here's the verse that I want you to see. This is the one that I think about on days like today. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, under the law. I like the wording in the New Living Translation. It says it this way. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the Do you believe that Jesus came just at the right time? Just at the right time. That's what it says. Okay, we're together. When Luke tells us there was no room at the end, and you read that in the story, it wasn't because God forgot to make reservations. God had been planning this for a long time. It was just the right time, just the right place. It was all part of the plan. And if you're here and you raise your hand, or you think, you know, David, that's right, and that God perfectly timed the birth of Christ, and if you believe you can do that, let me ask you this. Do you believe that God can line things up today? I see you shaking your head. You do, don't you? We need to be reminded of that. I'm talking about you now. And me. And God lining our lives up. David Beasley, I love what you say sometimes. I love what you say all the time, but I remember you saying one time that First Baptist Church of Sandy Springs and you coming back and reuniting was just at the right time in your life. I'm not putting, tell them you said that. Tell them I didn't, I didn't make this up. <laughs> just agree with me here, please. Did you say that? You did. Shouldn't we trust God with what's going on in our lives? no matter what it is, that He's lining things up. We must know, no matter what, that God is at work. 
And I think we agree to that. But then we see messes and we think, well, what about, what about what's going on? Here's the problem. It's a partnership. God will do His part, but we must work with Him. Remember what Jesus said in the first part of Matthew 12, 30? He who is not with me is against me. We can either yield to His plan and ride the wave, or we can buck the system and go the other way, and we're all living proof. Both paths. To be lined up with God, to have everything lined up, perfect timing, we have to be on board. We have to be obedient. It's been three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I did. How many weeks ago was the wedding? Two weeks ago. Charlie was standing right here and Molly was standing right about here. And in their wedding service, a lot of you were there, I asked them as homework before the service and I put it in the service, Molly, why Charlie? Charlie, why Molly? And they both told me the story about it just didn't work out. They knew each other and this didn't work out. This didn't work out. It worked out. Just at the right time. As they sought God and made Him first, He took care of that. God's timing, lining things up, happens in our lives. And we can look back and see so many things. I was 10 when my mother died. My father was alone with five kids. 10, 13, 16, 19, and 22. Three of us were still at home. My father was a Christ follower. I was too young to be in the loop. I wasn't consulted. I, I know that he prayed and sought God's direction. And then he began to date and he courted my soon-to-be stepmother, Mary Alice. And I'm sure that God approved that union because it was done the right way through prayer and seeking God. My stepmother was from west of here, a little town called Ackerman, Mississippi. I was too young to stay at home by myself, so very often when Dad would take off and head west, I would go with him. And on the way to Ackerman, you would go through Birmingham and then Tuscaloosa and then Starkville, Mississippi, home of Mississippi State. I was probably 11 the first time I passed through Starkville. Little did I know there was a nine-year-old girl in that town that I would marry. No, no, she wasn't nine when we got married. Hold on. Let me, let me clear that up. Skip several years ahead. It's time for me to go to college. And my friends were going to Georgia and Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern, West Georgia, just all over. And I chose Mississippi State. The reason I chose Mississippi State is because we just drove through there. It was different, and I wanted to go there. Not that I was a football fan. You know, you don't go there because of football. <laughs> While I was there, I met you. And she was a believer, and I was a believer, and we prayed about what God wanted in our lives, and we married 35 years, 7 months, and 9 days ago. That's 13,008 days. Happy anniversary, dear. I have no doubt God lined that up. And He lined us up because my dad was lined up. And now, 
We are blessed with two children. And when they were still in the womb, because we are believers, we began to pray for them that they would be believers. This was before they were born. And that they would, if they married, marry a Christian person. Those prayers have been answered. Taylor a believer. Ellen's a believer. Taylor married a Christian person. Ellen married a Christian person. And now, we're praying about those grandchildren. That God will line their lives up. God is always there. And His timing is always perfect. No matter how freaked out we are. Merry Christmas. God has lined you up to be in this room at this time to hear this. Whatever is going on in your life, God is there. We're going to sing this prayer together as we're dismissed. And you can sit and sing. The last verse, I love this. Oh, wait a minute. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask me to Take us to heaven.